Hey, Kariki, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local, national, and uh, all over the world, BIPOC, uh, Native issues. Uh, as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. Hey, I just want to kind of start out the show. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit in the last few days on the show about the MMIWR march in Minneapolis on Valentine's Day on February 14th. Prior to the march, there was some powerful speakers. Uh, we had our friend Ruth Buffalo was up there, State Senator Mary Kunish. And we had this young warrior that has been on the show many times and... Um, She's a doer. Her and her husband are a doer, and uh, it's very awe-inspiring speech. And I want to play that uh, for everyone because I really feel like uh, it was powerful, and I want to I want to share that with everybody. And uh, and uh, this is the young ones. She's a young lady here uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, she did the Leonard Peltier march all across uh, Turtle Island to Washington D.C. And again, uh, she's a doer, so I wanna I wanna share this with everybody, and um, I'll talk a little bit about this after after we play this uh, short segment from Rachel Thunder. They're smudging her off right now. Um, it's a uh, it's awesome, awesome thing. And they're adjusting the microphone. There's a lot of smudging going off again. It's pretty. It's pretty powerful. Uh, I just really, really, totally excited to play this, and uh, that's. I'll cue it up right now and let's uh, let her rip. I say hello and thank you to each of you as individuals and to all of you collectively. My name is Rachel Dion Thunder. Um, I'm a co-founder and board member of the Indigenous Protector Movement. Come from an AIM family and community member here in South Minneapolis. Um, I wanted to start by saying today that we honor the thousands of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, men, boys, and two-spirit people, our relatives, including those lost from our own community. Our love and our compassion go to our families, and we stand with you today and all days. Together we call for prayer healing, and justice for these families and our people in response to this violence. The abuse of our women and our people is well known throughout colonial history. But today is a shift in that history. We shift from resilience, perseverance, and survival. And today we shift into our power our collective power, our collective power as indigenous people, as the true and original people of Turtle Island. Today, we remember, and today we say no more. Today and every day, we fight for the living, we fight for our future generations, for our past generations. We say, you are not forgotten and we say that you are loved. We are at a moment in time that our ancestors have fought for and prayed for and sacrificed for. We are at a moment in time with an opportunity for unstoppable collective power. Today, we recognize and awaken our collective power to fight against this system. We ground ourselves in prayer and in the ceremony of togetherness and of our community. We choose love. We ground ourselves with our mother, with the earth, and hold true power. 
not the illusion of power that the system of oppression projects. True power of our people fighting for sobriety, fighting for each other, united and healed. Together we stand in a way that our ancestors prayed for to demand that the colonial settler violence against our people ends. We stand together as women, mothers, aunties, daughters, fathers, sons, warriors, leaders, elders, and as those that hold positions of influence in this government system, to all stand together to heal and fight from the community level to the federal level so that they will have no choice but to listen. but healing and peace, that our sovereign rights as the original and true people of Turtle Island to defend and protect our relatives is honored and upheld. Today we say no more, and we say that together as one true clear voice, we say no more through our words, our walk, our march for all of our missing and murdered relatives. We will be seen, we will be heard, and they will be taken no more. No more! That was beautiful. That was uh, Rachel Thunder speaking on behalf of her group. And uh, I, I just really love the fact that we have young people that speak up and that are, that are articulate, that are educated, that are fighting for our people, uh, and that can really bring the message out there. And that's what we try to do here on Native Roots Radio. I talk about that all the time, is that we we are so pleased to be on the airways. We're so pleased to be able to carry our message to our our people, uh, to our uh, elders especially, that we're still here that we're fighting for things that they fought for for many years. Uh, I want to say, Peeny Gigi, thank you so much for all our our white allies out there that ask us questions, that say hello, and try and do the, the right thing in, the, in a good way. And, uh, you know, it's been our pleasure here on Native Roots Radio to be a conduit to the communities that we serve all over Turtle Island. Uh, we're still here. We are the seventh generation. And when we say that, we, we think of the generations seven ahead of us. And again, my theme's been really in the last, what seems like last few years is that we all come from tribes. We all, uh, have been colonized into thinking that destroying Mother Earth is good for the pocketbook. That's good for uh, money, and uh, and we want to save this planet for our next seven generations. And I know most of you, if not all of you, do too. And so we fight when we fight where there's a fight. We we bring our voice. And uh, Ho Chunkala Ho Chunk means the people of the sacred voice. And I'm a, a tribal member, a citizen of Ho-Chunk Nation and a, and a proud, proud uh, member of this community. And we're still here. We'll always fight for what is right. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, 
respecting our elders, cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever ever securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm Oik, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Development Institute, or NACD, in Minneapolis. Yeah, serving uh, many people all around Turtle Island, and hey, we have one of the one of the workers on right now, Juliana Enright, and she's an art gallery coordinator. And Haley, I know you were at the opening. I was uh, in mm-hmm. New York or Chicago or some some big city, so I couldn't make it. But uh, we're excited to uh, catch up with Juliana and uh, see what's happening. Yeah, always. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Right on. Hey, can you tell our audience because we're all over the country here and uh, and where where you are and what you do uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the All My Relations Art Gallery. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Juliana Enright, and I am the Gallery and Programs Coordinator for All My Relations Arts, and we are a program of the Native American Community Development Institute. And that's located in Minneapolis um, on Franklin Avenue, which is the heart of the American Indian Cultural Corridor. Um, we've been in operation since 1999, um, and we uh, work towards um, promoting and creating high caliber ex- exhibitions that focus on contemporary Native American artwork. Yeah, and you also do uh, book signings, too, and openings, and we really appreciate you uh, and having the capacity to to sponsor that uh, Ho-Chunk book that was signed, and that was very successful signing. I think uh, we're going to swing around and talk to you about trying to do another one here. Uh, that was awesome. Yes, one of our programs is uh, the Native Authors Program. Um, so we pair local or, or native um, to Minnesota residents uh, to support them in um, getting help publishing and putting their voices out so that um, we can tell our stories better. So how did you get started in this? Uh, what is, uh, without saying what is your background, uh, what is your background? How did you get uh, started in this? I know uh you're very successful and we've gone in and seen a lot of your work and uh, it's always fun for us to talk about and hype it up. But uh, where, where do you come from in a sense of uh, your skill set and how, how you've been able to do this for these past few years? Yeah, well, I should start out with the fact that I'm an enrolled um, member of the Lower Bro Lakota tribe of South Dakota and uh, growing up in South Dakota, I didn't see a lot of Native representation. So to be in Minnesota is just um, a lot different than it was growing up. 
Um, so I kind of got my background as an arts writer. And from there, I went into independent curation. Um, and I was a part of a fellow of the Emerging Curators Institute, which is a local organization that um, tries to help and uplift BIPOC curators or first-time curators. Um, and I actually had my show at All My Relations Arts before I started working there. Um, that one was focused on indigenous futurism and it was called Biscabiyang, which is an Anishinaabe word for returning to oneself. Um, so just a, a sense of returning to one's culture through um, reinvestigating their own heritage and uh, traditions and language. Yeah. And, you know, uh, with our, well, with my background, that's really important because, uh, you know, we feel left out if we uh, don't know our, our, our traditions, our ways of life. And sometimes there's gatekeepers out there that, you know, uh, so we, we have uh, issues like that. So it's really cool to hear that that's what you were uh, really focused on. Cause I know sometimes it's, sometimes it's uh, a problematic for us native people, especially for our adoptees that are coming back and uh, uh, people that just weren't brought up in the, in the culture and that want to be brought up in the culture or at least know about their culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, my grandmother and my mother were both, both uh, boarding school survivors. And I talk a lot about how there's kind of this jump from inner generations where, um, you know, assimilation happened for my grandmother's generation to the point where it was um, it was safer to to kind of more integrate and assimilate. And now my mom's generation is sort of trying to heal from that trauma. And this generation, my generation and the one below they have a little bit of distance from that. So they're able to really try to get to know their culture and speak the language a little, a little easier than past generations have had to. Well, they have the opportunity where a lot of our, uh, my generation and the generation before didn't because of boarding schools, uh, being a former teacher, I'm really excited to see that, uh, like Gen Z and uh, your generation, uh, are really picked up the ball and, um, in a good way. You know, there is no gatekeeping. It's all inclusive. It's, you know, we, we talk about a lot of things, you know, from two spirit to, uh, you know, people that are single parents and uh, on our show and, and we're all coming in the circle. And I feel like Gen Z doesn't care who you are as matter. It's just your heart. Yeah, that's a great point. Right on. Um, so I, I was looking at your Facebook and before we get really talking about the, the, the gallery here, did you, did you used to be a DJ too? Oh, I still am a DJ. Come on, talk to me. What's <laughs> up? Tell me what's up. Uh, well, you know, I think that one of the reasons I started getting into it is, uh, well, my mom is, was a great lover of music, is a great lover of music, was uh, in South Dakota would drive out to listen to AM broadcasts to get to know all the the weird underground bands and write them down and go to record stores. So I grew up listening to Motown and some classic rock from my dad's side. And, um, you know, I didn't see a lot of uh, female or femme DJs out there. So I kind of right. just wanted to to do it myself. And it's, you know, it's a great way to connect with people and music is such a, also a healing power. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun little hobby that I have that sometimes, sometimes makes me money. Right on. Well, you have to let Haley and I know, because I know my jam is the seventies. I was a child of the sixties and a teen of the seventies. And uh, I still have my XM radio on the seventies. Oh, <laughs> Cool. So let's talk a little bit uh, uh, before we, we end this segment. Let's talk about what's in the when the gallery right now. I know, again, Haley was at the opening and it's always uh, electric for us to come through there. We walk through the coffee shop. If you're getting a coffee shop at uh, at uh, at the coffee shop and then you go through the doors and you just bam, it's like another world. Yeah, it, I mean, it's so great to have power grounds right in front of the gallery. It really, you know, helps people come in who might not 
have uh, known there was a gallery space there and it really helps our community feel like they belong in the art world um, when so many institutions have made them feel, made us feel really not welcome in those spaces. Um, so right now we have a partner exhibition with the American Swedish Institute um, in response to their traveling exhibition, Arctic Highways Unbound Indigenous People. Um, so this is an exhibit called Okizi to, he to Heal. And it's the Dakota word for, um, to, to, for healing mm -hmm. on a individual and singular element. And this is a group exhibition that kind of cross-pollinates indigenous cultures. So we have um, artists who are uh, of Sami descent. And then we also have invited and juried uh, native artists um, mm -hmm. showcasing at the same time. And I, you know, when we were in conversation with the American Swedish Institute and with uh, the Sami artists in the show, we really realized that uh, there was such a, a similarity between the historical things that we've both gone through as indigenous people, um, you know, loss of spirituality, language, or separation from those things. Um, and so this exhibit is really highlighting, um, trying to revitalize the efforts to reconnect this generation and future generations to our language, our land, and our culture as a way of healing. You know, Haley and I talked about this, and Haley, you can jump in too. Uh, the, the similarities between our bison and the deer uh, really blew my mind when we when I went in the gallery and, and heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, uh, that was one of the elements that we really found a common ground on. Um, the migration installation, which is featuring the Sami and a Swedish artist, um, talks about this uh, migration of the reindeer and the Sami people's connection to reindeer, which really mirrors Native people's connection to the buffalo and how we migrated with each other. Um, and another element was just this concept that animals don't know nationality or national borders. Um, and so really it's kind of breaking down those barriers of, of what colonization has pushed us into. Yeah, and we we talk a lot about this on the show, and and I know one of my favorite speakers used to talk about it all the time was John Trudell. Was that everyone came from a tribe at one time? People have been colonized by either the Catholic Church or uh, the Spaniards or whatever across the world, and you know Native Americans are one of the last, along with uh, other indigenous uh, people across the world, the last line of. Uh, being totally uh, colonized, and we're fighting back on that, and uh, you're fighting back on that with your with your gallery, and that's uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with uh, a lot of fun talk here, Juliana Enright, you know, art gallery program coordinator at All My Relations Art Gallery here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's, Let's live and, and let, let howl. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts. And that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. 
If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. JNS Bean Factory is a Native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors. You'll find high quality food and unique eating experiences with dishes from around the world. Just visit eatlocalminnesota.com for your next meal. Bruner Supper Club invites you to Maggie's Lounge, an exciting new bar lounge. It's open Wednesdays through Sundays beginning at 4.30 for cocktails and light fare. And you don't need a ticket to enjoy the great atmosphere of Maggie's. So stop by Crooner's Supper Club off Moorlake and Highway 65 for dinner, drinks, and live music from both big-name local and national artists. Cafe Latte combines a cafe dining experience with gourmet quality food. Plus, you can still do online ordering and takeout, along with gift cards. Just go to CafeLatte.com and choose from their ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soups. Cafe Latte is located off Victoria and Grand and online at CafeLatte.com. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Oik, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Great partners over the years, and it's ironic. And we'll get uh, talk a little bit about this maybe a little later in the show or in the segment about the, the march yesterday. But, hey, we're here with Juliana Enright, and she's art gallery and program coordinator at All My Relations Art Gallery in Minneapolis in the Native American Corridor right on Franklin Avenue. And we're excited to have you on. And we've we've threatened to have you on many times, and we got you on here. So <laughs> we're excited. We're not going to let you go. But uh, talk a little bit about this. We were talking a little bit about the the, the um, ex- exhibition to, or exhibit to, uh, in the last segment. Get, let everyone know uh, what the hours are and uh, where we can go uh, see this. Yeah, so our gallery hours are uh, Tuesday through Friday uh, from 10 to 5 and Saturday from noon to 3, um, right at East Franklin Avenue, 1414, right in the American Indian Cultural Corridor. Um, yeah, and something you know I wanted to highlight about this show is I mentioned before that Okizi is the Dakota word for healing oneself. And so the focus is, of this exhibit is really about how individual healing can work towards the greater collective healing for Native people. And so all the works of, um, of the show are a vis- visual representation that highlight the artist's individual journey of healing through art and culture. And um, this exhibition features artists that represent 13 different tribal affiliations along with the Sami. Um, and they all incorporate elements of their own traditional heritage of art forms into their contemporary pieces. So we have just a, a lot of different mediums. We have screen prints, relief prints, mixed media. Um, there's blown glass, digital collage, beadwork. Um, it's just a, a really great mix of of artists. Is that tree trunk blown grass glass? That's like yeah. That we have. That's one of my favorite pieces, actually. That's uh, yeah. artist Abby Sunday, and um, she uh, has done a, um, a glass sculpture of sugar bushing. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a really interesting piece because we have a lot of um, pieces that talk about boarding school on opposite sides of it. And the sugar bushing is just such a you know healing cultural activity that we do of maple tapping um, and around the sculpture, there's tiny little maple glasses that kind of look like communion glasses. So yeah. I feel like it's an indigenous take on healing from that Catholic kind of element of boarding schools. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, that's kind of the the vibe I got too. And uh, 
Uh, I have a heart of an artist, so uh, I try to uh, interpret things, but it always isn't always the right way. But that's cool that you said that. Uh, you know, the, the silk screening, the 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 um, reindeer, which I didn't know there was reindeers because I thought they, they flew with Santa Claus and one was named Rudolph. But mm-hmm. that was that was uh, stunning to see. And again, uh, we have our friend Josie who has some nice beadwork up there that really comes from her from her background and it's uh i i just want to ask you before before we we get deep into maybe what your what your one of your most i don't know favorites or uh i want to ask you the this do people come out of there just going oh my gosh wow i'm just uh uh transfixed i know there's uh just a spiritual awakening of sorts that comes out of there in that room and especially how you guys transform that from one exhibit to another is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, what, what I find really interesting is that it, it seems like the community really tells us after each exhibit that this one was better than the last or this one, you know, wow, I can't believe it looks so different in here. Um, <laughs> I, I think one of the elements that we always try to incorporate with our exhibits is having you know, some medicines out um, so that, you know, people can really engage with the work, but also feel really, um, really held and really protected while they might be experiencing something that could be traumatic or um, some of the pieces are, are really heavy, but they're native truth telling and, and they need to be, they need to be seen. They need to be shown. Yeah. I really like that native truth telling. Uh, were you uh, the coordinator when uh, COVID was happening? I was just getting onboarded. It was quite an or- yeah. <laughs> a fun ordeal to get onboarded uh, via Zoom for a new place. Well, not only that, but do you remember there was uh, food brought there for people? It was really a the gallery and the coffee shop became, again, uh, a central part of the community, feeding people, getting supplies out, especially when COVID first hit and there was no vaccines and George Floyd's uh, murder, and there was all these things that were happening around the gallery and uh, powwow grounds, and uh, I just want to say um, I'll never forget that. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that that's uh, Nacti's ethos is just to be um, to respond to what the community needs at that time, um, and I think that that's what. Um, people stepped up to do. It became um, a place where people could get home goods and other materials that they needed. Um, We had aim protectors all around the gallery. So it was really a safe space during that time. Yeah. What a time to uh, join the, join the uh, NADKT, huh? (laughs) That that had to have been like, wow. Mm -hmm. Because we forget about that. We talk about COVID in the beginning of COVID a lot here. Um, because we have like Dr. Stately on on Mondays and we've, I have a short memory of, you know, taking my clothes off at the door and not knowing if it spreads things and before the vaccines. And again, you know, Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis really stood up, stood up and, and helped the community. And I just want to give you a shout out on that because uh, that's how important you are to the community. And and, you know, it, one of the things, too, these exhibits are always free. You know, that's huge, too. Anyone can come in and and uh, sample. I guess they can't sample the syrup because it's not real, but sample the art. Yeah, it's coagulated by this point. <laughs> so I don't know if it would be great to sample. But, yeah, that that's also, you know, something that I'm really proud that we can offer to the community. All of our workshops, our panels, our exhibits are always free of admission. So it's really just a great opportunity for someone to dip their hands into um, creating new pieces or trying to make their own art or just sitting and, you know, listening to a great panel discussion, like you were mentioning about the Ho-Chunk book reading. Um, That was such a well-attended event and people are still talking about it. And um, that's something that we were we're happy to partner with and and bring that to the community. Yeah, it was a great partnership, by the way, too, and we really appreciate it. And the the thing, I guess, Haley, you have a question. We were kind of talking uh, in the break time. You have a great question 
Mm. Why don't you uh, take the reins right here real quick? Oh, well, thank you. Um, Yeah, great to see you again, Juliana. Thanks for being on today. I just, I, every time I come to NACTI, I see all of the posters uh, from past exhibits at All My Relations. And I just really wish I could attend them all. They look so beautiful. What is, you know, a past exhibit that kind of has stuck with you throughout the years? Yeah, and it's so hard to narrow it down to just one because, you know, every single one of them has a personal meaning and influence to me. And the artists that we meet are just so those relationships don't end at the exhibition. We really try to 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 help to make those things uh, reciprocal and long lasting. But something that has really been sticking in my mind since the um, MMIWR March yesterday was our exhibit from um 2022, which was Nuji Mo, She Heals. And that was a group show curated by Hilary Kepenick. Um, and it was, uh, we, we had in the past done a, an iteration of Bring Her Home shows that were focusing on that, um, that crisis. And we wanted to make sure that we continued that theme. Um, and we wanted to bring in more of a, a healing and an empowerment um, and a hopefulness in it. So that one was really celebrating the aunties in our lives, um, whatever form or shape those people took on, um, whether they be a female or non-binary or um, you know, two-spirit people in our lives, the people who have really influenced us to be the people who we, we are in community and in our culture. And so... We just we just got so many so much great feedback from the, that event, and it really just showcased showcased the the power of indigenous women. Well, they lead the way, and that's uh, you know if you're not colonized, you do know that and believe that. And uh, um, women lead the way; they pick the chiefs, they pick the leaders in the tribes, and that's been going on for ten thousand years. And uh, we're Maybe with the colonization, we've took a few few year break on that, and we're going to come back to that. Hey, was that the uh, the the Museum of Modern Art in New York? And uh, it was an amazing experience, but I didn't see one native painting or picture, and that was so disappointing. And I know too, there's a, a big push. There's a new federal law where. Uh, if tribes don't say it's okay uh, to have uh, certain things that have been stolen in their exhibition, they have to give them back or not show them. And I think that's, that's a really, really good thing. And things are uh, leaning and uh, bending towards our direction at times. Yeah. I think what uh, a lot of museums and art institutes are thinking of in terms of repatriation is, is the way that it should be, you know, who has, who, where do these objects belong? With whom do they belong? Um, I was just at a conference with um, Angela Two Stars over the summer, and we went to the Denver Art Museum, and I thought it was really interesting the way that they had been incorporating um, Indigenous works into their other collections as if they lived in one, hmm. as they should be. Um, but part of the Western Art Gallery um, had um, indigenous works and then also indigenous artists that would comment on some of the more stereotypical or really, you know, harmful art pieces that there were. And so that was just a really cool way of, of bringing it full circle and really adding um, native voices back into the conversation. Yeah. Wow. That is powerful. Hey, we really appreciated you uh, being on. And again, we got to do a movie show, uh, and and uh, critique some of these movies maybe we'll have aliases so we don't get a backlash <laughs> and we'll have behind a behind a shadow here but hey juliana thank you so much for coming on uh and that's 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 do it again you're listening to native ritz radio presents i'm awake and that was juliana uh and right at the art gallery here uh program coordinator at all my relations check it out be there, be square. We'll be right back after the short break. Stay with us. When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, 
Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. The city of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. I did a howl uh, While he's chewing on uh, chewing on a um, a bone. No, a leaf. Oh, our, a leaf. Our, oh. Our, our, our wolves are vegan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, I want to introduce Wendy, our awesome, my our awesome <laughs> and beautiful <laughs> wife, my awesome beautiful wife, and, and Wendy's been on for over seven years in Native Roots Radio, and we've been learning so much over the years. I know I have uh, about our sacred animals, and uh, it's always great to have you on, Wen. Yeah, thank you. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state levels. And it's always my pleasure to do that. So I just got my update in the mail today, Robert. Oh. It came um, it's called All Animals, yes. and it's the uh, update from the Humane Society of the United States, and it's marked winter of 2024, Ooh. and my hero is on the cover. Oh, it was yeah. Jane, Jane Goodall. Oh, good yeah, one. So Jane Good- Goodall, she's awesome, and I've been following her through her career I got you over the years. Book. I know, I know. Um, yeah, so she... Uh, went into the forests of Tanzania, Africa, and she studied wild chimpanzees. um, And she's um, a PhD DBE. And she's the founder of the Jane Goodall Institute and the United Nations Messenger of Peace. Uh, So she's done great work through her career. So I just wanted to tell you that. And I get that. I get this update uh, because I... um, donate to the Humane Society of the United States, and I'm also a Humane Policy Volunteer Leader. And they just came up with, up with their uh, 2023 reflections on all the good stuff that they did in 2023. Wow. And there's so much, we're not even, there's so much stuff we're not even going to be able to get it through, but I just wanted to talk about a couple of the real highlights. Yeah. 
And um, some of the things that, um, uh, you know, me and my uh, counterparts in the Humane Society of the United States, we went and we talked to our legislators about. Awesome. Yeah, so it's really fun. Like when we when we would go meet our legislators, our House representatives, our city council members to get stuff done, and then you see it yeah. in the magazine yeah. um, as a uh, 2023 reflection of what passed and what good work the Humane Society of the United States did. Yeah. Yeah. And continue to do. But I just want to remind everyone uh, that the Humane Society of the United States does not uh, adopt out any dogs or cats or we're not involved in that. What we're involved in is legislation. So I'm a, um, a volunteer lobbyist for them. And that's what I do. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So if anybody wants to become a volunteer uh, leader, we're called, uh, we used to call, we used to be called uh, council members, mm-hmm. but now we're called humane policy volunteer leaders. Yeah. It's kind of a big, uh, you know, name, yep. humane Title. policy volunteer leader. And we had to put the L at the end or else we, we would have been humane HPV, which is oh. you. Human papillomavirus. So yeah, yeah, maybe not that. So they had to put the Jeez. leader at the end. So yeah, yeah. we got to get t-shirts. But anyway, let's get here. Let's go here. We're going to reflect on 2023 and what all the great things that the Humane Society of the United States did. So we have, um, I don't know this company and I'm really surprised about it, but with our help, and when I say our help, that's the Humane Society of the United States. Um, Mondelez International, they are the makers of Oreos, Triscuits, and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will only use cage-free eggs by 2025. That's wow. huge. And yeah. Oreos are vegan. Oreos. They don't even use that. Yeah. The Oreos do not use right. the eggs. They are vegan. But really, this company, Mondelez, international they operate in 80 countries that's how big they are so uh going cage free is huge just huge um so that's great and and they give you like a little paragraph underneath about all the details but i'm not going to have time to do that so in may the united states supreme court upheld california's Proposition 12, which requires that mother pigs, leg, uh, egg laying hens and calves raised for veal in the state are not cruelty confined. God, that's yep, a big thing. The law also bans the in-state sale of pork, eggs and veal produced via extreme confinement. So California doesn't even allow that those meat and egg to come into their state if those animals were kept in confined uh, cages. So that's, wow, that's uh, Proposition 12 is awesome. And I, mm-hmm. we did, we had to call our state senators about that. So we worked on that. Mm-hmm. 310 veterinary professionals and students volunteered 24,640 hours to care for 8,492 animals through their rural area veterinary service program. So that's a lot of hours, a lot of volunteers, and a lot of animals that really, um, you know, benefited from this. Mm-hmm. Five students received $10,000 scholarships from the Humane Society Veterinarian Medical Association. That's really great. Let's see what else. I don't want to read every single one, but I want to read the ones that I'm really uh, jazzed about. Jazzed about. <laughs> well, here's here's one. This is really good too. Uh, their animal rescue team responded to three thousand four hundred ninety five animal cruelty complaints, assisted law enforcement with cases involving more than sixty five different species, including dogs, cats, goats, snakes, kangaroos, ferrets, and more, and traveled to twelve states and two countries this year. That's huge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, to help with animal cruelty Jeez, cases. let me get applause on that. Yeah, right? Haley, don't you have an applause one on yours, too? I don't think I do yet. I'll have to get a different one so they sound different. 
Yeah, get a clappy one. Okay. A lot of people don't know, but the dog meat trade in Korea is still around. Yeah. But yeah, 198 dogs were rescued from Korea meat farms this year alone by the Humane Society International. Jeez. Yeah, those are the, that's, they like go over all of them. Yeah. A decade long fight in the United States to end the private possession of big cats. At the federal level ended when Please. the Big Cat oh, Public Safety Act went into effect in June. We mm. went and talked also yeah, about that one. Do you remember that? God, I remember you and I driving to one of those damn places. Yep. Up northern Minnesota, yes. not even that yeah. far away. Yep, where people yep. kept those big cats. I know. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Take a picture with them. Yep. Let me make money off these poor Exactly. Things. And the animal goes back in the cage with no enrichment. Oh. It sits there all day until the next person comes and takes a picture with them. Or this is just people who get these right. big cats and keep them in their house as like a pet. Uh, and then, you know, mauled. then they get too big <laughs> and, and they, they can't mauled. handle it. And then the animal, you know. Eats them. Exactly. <laughs> But usually people don't even realize what kind of food and nutrition these animals need. And most of them are really sick when they're rescued because they haven't gotten the, the correct nutrients and stuff. Damn, yeah. Uh-huh. One minute. Yeah. Okay. What else do we have here? California became the first state to end the sale of new animal fur products mm. when its ban went into effect in January. Nice. Fur free. Yes, fur free. That's right. 12 of the 50 top food service companies in the United States have set public uh, plant-based menu and meat reduction goals after working with the Humane Society of the United States. So more plant-based foods are out there and going around, and it's better for people, better for the planet, better for the economy. Better right. for the earth. Right on. Hey, Wendy Pinagigi, thank you so much for uh, your report. And maybe we'll get deeper into that next week. Yeah, I got lots more here. Hey, this has been Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. Wow. <laughs>